Welcome to the Yogi MD podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Today, I would like to welcome Lisa Thompson, owner of Blue Sky Bakery in Chicago. Blue Sky is a nonprofit organization. And on your website, I really like this quote, so I am going to use it in your introduction. (laughs) It says, we also raise the edible consciousness of our community by providing transitional employment to homeless and at-risk youth. That's beautiful. Welcome to the show. I am so delighted to have this chance to connect with you today. Thank you. Very happy to be here. (laughs) Great. Can you please tell us about what led you to your road to Blue Sky? So my background is in nonprofit fundraising and programming, uh, but I was really interested in doing something that allowed me to have closer access and to work directly with a population that I care a lot about, which is at-risk youth. I had an opportunity to do some volunteer work at a shelter for um, pregnant and parenting teens specifically and really fell in love with the population and really felt a strong desire to specifically work with this 16 to 24-year-old population that is disconnected from their families, they're usually disconnected from school, they're not working, and um, they need help. And I just really felt a strong um, desire and a lot of enjoyment from spending time with them. Why did you have that affinity, do you think? I don't know. I think I've, I've never thought of myself as someone who would have children. And I think um, for some reason, this population just immediately felt like I just felt like, oh, these are my these are my people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> This is who I want to be surrounded by. And um, I think that, I don't know, in some ways I find teenagers easy to talk to because they're adults in a lot of ways, uh, but they also, a lot of them still have that innocence and excitement about simple things and they're open and um, they're in a place where they still have, you know, their lives ahead of them. And I think that's exciting to work with people that you feel like it's, it's not too late for anything for them. Why did you start baking? Um, I grew up in a home where baking was uh, was a big part of what we did. Uh, my mom raised my sister and I by herself, and she was a great cook and a great baker and used a lot of recipes that her sisters and her mom um, used when they were growing up. And it was just a way that she showed us love and took care of us. And we grew up in a home where processed foods and prepackaged foods just didn't that we they weren't used and I don't think it was ever because my mom was that particular about those kinds of things I think it was just because we didn't have money for those kinds of things so we grew up eating chocolate chip cookies baked from scratch uh, instead of Oreos you know I don't think I had an Oreo till I was in college and uh, my mom made bread and made everything that we had from scratch and um So I saw that was the way she showed love to us and to other people. You know, she loved having people over at the holidays and for parties and she loved cooking for them. And she really took great pride in that. And so I think when I started thinking about this social enterprise and what could I do in terms of providing jobs for youth and and teaching them something, baking really is one of the few things that I know how to do that I thought I could I could share and have it be effective. It's really interesting that you observe that your mom fed you whole foods because it was cheaper because the thought process a lot a lot of times seems to be or, or a myth seems to be that convenience foods are cheaper processed things are cheaper 
look at fast food joints specifically. You know, they're telling you you get all this value for so little money. So it's it's really interesting to hear you say that your mom was so wise to see that that's really not the case. Absolutely. No, she was um you know, she she knew how to stretch a dollar and how to save money and we did it by eating in ways that are so trendy now. You know, we had a garden in our backyard. My mom grew all of our tomatoes and beans and things like that. And um, there's just so many things that I have friends that would be intimidated to make or do. You know, my mom would throw a steak on the grill and she would cook vegetables and do all of these things just in a really simple way that um, I laugh sometimes because I think, oh, she was so, you know, ahead of her time with yes. the farm to take movement and all of these things. But she was just a single mom doing what she knew how to do. And, and that was staying out of those aisles at the grocery store and just getting, you know, fresh things or what she couldn't make or grow herself, buying them at the store. That's spectacular. So tell us a little bit more about how the idea of Blue Sky, you started to touch upon it. How was Blue Sky born? I stumbled into a shared use kitchen in my neighborhood. And it was um, when I was working at Children's Memorial Hospital doing fundraising. And I really was thinking a lot about this population of teenagers. And I had started to do this volunteer work at this shelter and was trying to think of how this could come about. And the original idea was actually to open a bed and breakfast. So our the legal name of my corporation is Blue Sky Inn because I thought, oh, I'll just open this inn and it'll be, I don't know if you've ever seen Gilmore Girls, but I very much pictured myself as this intaker making scones and <laughs> coffee and all these beautiful linens and china and having these teenagers working there and everything's everything's going to come together um but when i first started out you know a b&b would have been a five million dollar endeavor just to get the doors open and you know they're very uh, you have to have a lot of rooms and a lot of bathrooms and it's just there's no way to do it well and do it inexpensively so i, I kind of did all the research and realized I had to put that idea to the side and stumbled into this shared use kitchen and started talking to the owner about what does it take to rent a kitchen space for an hour and then sell the food. And she said, you know, literally turned over an envelope and she said, I'll write down all the things that you need. And, um, you know, told me which licenses I needed to get and which departments at the city I needed to go to. And at that point I had incorporated and I had done a lot of the legal structure and started to apply for tax exempt status. But I didn't know anything about, you know, having a food business in the city and, you know, running a restaurant. So this woman, Alexis, was really instrumental in walking me through that and making it seem very um, taking away all of the intimidation and, and me feeling like this is something I can do and it has low risk and I feel confident in trying it. And at that point, I had had the relationship with the shelter. So the shelter knew me and they trusted me. Mm -hmm. And. Um, I was seeing firsthand every time I was there that these youth need job opportunities that are tailored for them, that, that understand, you know, that they are homeless, that they're unstably housed, that they're often exhausted, that they're often hungry. They're under a tremendous amount of stress thinking about where they're going to sleep that night. Um, and in particular, these girls were pregnant and parenting. So add that layer of stress onto what they're doing. And I don't think you can tell people like that, just go get a job and go keep a job. You know, I think they have to be in an environment at some point that is sensitive to their circumstances and sensitive to what they're going through to help them really succeed. Because if they keep failing and they keep failing, eventually they're going to just stop trying. What are some examples of some of the, I'll borrow one of your words, failures that the girls that you saw were experiencing when they did try to get a job or, or do something to advance themselves or change the situation? 
Absolutely. And I think, and this is something I still see to this day often with youth, they either, and the, the first barrier that a lot of them have is they don't have the confidence to apply for a job. And I've heard this over and over from youth that they say, you know, if my probation officer or social worker, someone hadn't brought me to Blue Sky to apply for a job, I never would have thought I could apply for a job because they just, they haven't been raised in an environment where people are working or it seems accessible. And they think that straight jobs are for other people, you know, they're not for them. And they don't understand that entry level jobs exist to train people. They don't exist for people to already know everything and have all the answers. Mm -hmm. So a lot of youth absolutely lack the confidence to apply for these jobs. And then once they get them, oftentimes simple things would trip them up. You know, they wouldn't understand how the schedule works, how the pay period works, how to ask questions when you do have questions, how to express that you have a doctor's appointment and you can't work your shift, or what to do if your child gets sick. And all of these things, I think we figure out how to deal with and how to address either because we have a parent who works and we see how things work, or we have someone that we trust that we can ask. But these youth don't have those resources. They get themselves into a situation where they feel like, well, I'm on my own. I don't know what else to do. So they panic and they just stop showing up to work or they send a short text and, you know, their communication skills are not correct. Hmm. So you see, you know, youth not for lack of wanting to work or wanting to do the right thing, but they simply don't know what that right thing is. And employers don't have time for it. You know, they don't have the patience for it. I've had so many youth tell me that they've lost jobs or they've gotten in trouble over really small things like that at work, like not understanding that um, how a pay period works. So they think, well, my employer didn't pay me for these four days, so I'm not going to show up anymore. Say, oh, okay, let's slow down. Let's look at your paycheck. Okay, these are the days you worked. Okay, you have another check coming. There wasn't anything wrong. You know, your employer was not trying to cheat you or do anything wrong. You just have to be patient. But if they, if no one's ever told them that, they have How no would way. They know. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And I think a lot of us are raised in a safe place to make those mistakes. Mm, yes. And you know, I remember many times. I, if I had a problem when I was younger, my mom would say, "Okay." let's get in the car and go take care of that. And she would always say, you know, like you have to go talk to the person in person, face to face. You have to apologize. You have to ask the question that you were too afraid to ask before. And she was, I felt like humiliating me my entire life. <laughs> doing all these terrible, torturous things to me. But in truth, she was making sure I learned and learned the right way how to carry myself and how to speak to people and how to take responsibility when I've made a mistake. Wow, that is so well said. You know, we take for granted if if we do have a home, a nice nest. That's the purpose of your nest, right? Getting you yeah. ready to fly into the real world. And even though that first flight is going to be really scary, maybe multiple times, surely multiple times, you've at least had that foundation that you took for granted, like you said. You know, all of us who had moms that we thought were nags or, oh, dad said this over and over again. My dad personally used to love to say the word discipline, and mm. I hated it. But <laughs> as an adult now, I realized the value in that one word he was really mm. teaching me at the time. And you take That's it for granted, because we do. Of course, absolutely. But no, I think uh, referring to it as a nest is such a good way to frame it, because if you have that, you feel safe. And if you don't, then you're just sort of out on that branch on your own. How many young people would you say have worked with you over the time that you've had Blue Sky open? And how long has it been open? 
It's been open um, 10 years. So we opened the cafe in 2008, and we have employed around 200 youth in that time. That's impressive. Thank can you, you. Can you share some fantastic stories with us? Sure. I had a really great story, actually, this week. Um, I got a message on Facebook from a young man, and he said, um, I, and I have not spoken to him much since he left the program. He left the program four years ago, and he said, I went through your program, and I really valued it, and it meant a lot to me, and I am now the kitchen manager at a new restaurant, and I want to hire, the first person I want to hire, essentially, mm-hmm. I want to hire someone else who's graduated from this program. And it just, you know, those are the things that I that I live for, that someone who gained so much from this that they really, um, they want to see someone else get the advantage from it that they received. And seeing someone pay it forward like that, it just, it's everything to me because I feel like we're, so, we're a small door that they're going to walk through and there's so many other factors that can positively or negatively influence them. But when you take advantage of the opportunity um, and move forward with it, it's just, you know, it, it makes everything worth it. So that was really great. And I had a young man who I spoke to recently who was in um, our program, the first year of our program. And he has the same job now. It's been almost 11 years that he got back then. And back then he was homeless and his teacher had approached me and said, you know, I have this student who is afraid to ask for help, but he's sleepy all the time and he's not keeping up with school and Mm. he didn't have energy to participate in band after school anymore, which is always one of his passions. Um, And so she said, you know, is there any chance that he would qualify? And I said, absolutely. You know, he seems like a perfect candidate. And I remember meeting with him and him saying, you know, I never thought that I would work in a kitchen. That doesn't seem like something that would interest me at Mm -hmm. all. I'll try this. Like, I'll just try to make everyone happy and do this. And 11 years later, he's working in the kitchen at the uh, Shirley Ryan Ability Lab and um, loves it and owns his own condo and he's engaged. And that's marvelous young man you know he has come so far and i feel like it just took that little bit of direction just kind of you know turning his shoulders and pointing them in a direction he wasn't facing before and he has taken all the steps since then and um it's just it's remarkable to see that people really can you know their their paths can change dramatically Mm -hmm. what kind of um examples do you have of maybe teaching moments really great teaching moments I had a young man who I helped get a job at a coffee shop and they took, I guess for a holiday break, I think it was closed for a couple of weeks. And he didn't realize that after, when they were closed, they would email the schedules instead of just posting them in the cafe like they had been. So they emailed everyone the schedule, including him. And he's not someone who checks his email often, like a lot of young people that I work with. Email is (laughs) not a medium that they seem to have any purpose for. So why would I open my email unless I, you know, I don't why were they? So he just didn't go into work because he didn't know when he was supposed to work and he called and no one answered. And so he went in three days later and they said, you were scheduled to work the last three days. You're fired. And he was so shocked and so confused. But I thought, you know, you should have been more aggressive about finding out what your schedule was. And and they said, you got the email. Everyone got the email. Someone with a little more savvy. This was his first job outside of Blue Sky would have known how to advocate for himself or how to, you know, make sure he had the information when he knew the cafe was open again, he should have, you know, gone in that day. But he, you know, I talked to him about it and he said, you know, that wasn't really my passion to work there anyways. I didn't really like it. And I said, okay, well, that's part of why you acted the way you acted. Mm -hmm. 
and I would love to see you go back and apologize and, and mm. try to make that you know relationship is intact. And I don't know if he did that. I encouraged him to do that. But I do know that he got another full-time job outside of food that he does love, and he is really passionate about it. And he's taking care of a child now that he had with a girl who has left the scene, and he's taking responsibility for that. And I think it's okay. Like he's he has made some mistakes, and he's stripped he's tripped a little bit and stumbled along the way. But he's taking care of himself, and he's independent, and he's you know he's doing the right thing now. So. I think sometimes, even if you don't always do the right thing in the moment, that seed of the right thing is planted yes. in them, and you hope that they know for the next time something like that comes up, they will make a different decision and do the right thing. Has anyone ever shared with you how he or she feels about him or herself after having gone through the process with you? That's a really good question. It can be very hard to get teenagers to talk about how they feel mm -hmm. about themselves, uh, but I will say that I know youth have said, I didn't know I could do this. Mm. And they really feel like something has kind of taken over them because they think, you know, because they'll say, I never would have thought I, I could make a loaf of bread. And they don't realize that it's just, well, because you didn't know how to make a loaf of bread before. That's all it was. It the wasn't skill. because. Yeah. And yeah. we, I have a young lady right now named Tiana and she, her, she's such a low self-confidence and it bums me out so much, but. I just always, I'll stand there and say, you know, Tiana, you've got this. You can do this. We're rolling pie crust out the other day. And she, her, the way she always does anything is she'll do it the first time and say, I can't do this. Someone else should probably do it because I'm just going to ruin all of these and I'm going to end up getting in trouble. And so then I always back up and say, you're not going to get in trouble for not knowing how to do this. Mm. Why would you know how to do this for the first time? You've never made ginger snaps before. So, okay, of course, we need to walk through the steps together. And then she gets it and I just see... Her face is like a different person's face. She looks so happy and so relaxed when she looks down and sees that she can do it. And she, her work is always beautiful. Everything she does always turns out so well. And um, I came in the other day and she said, did everyone tell you what happened yesterday? And I, my first reaction always is, oh, God, what broke? Or, you know, <laughs> what, what terrible thing happened? And I said, no, what happened? And she said, I rolled out 11 pie crusts in an hour. I said, Tiana, that's amazing. That's such a big deal. And I, I love that she was so excited to tell me and she couldn't wait. And it just, um, you know, they, they may not always have the words, but sometimes I can just see the look on their face when mm -hmm. they've heard something or they've learned something and all of a sudden they understand, oh, that's why the butter has to be cold and different techniques and steps that we nag them about. Uh, and I love that. I, I love seeing that they think, you know, like, I've got this. This is, I got this now. <laughs> What is it about the magic of cooking that can inspire change and bring people together, do you think? I think a lot of it has to do with eating, how much we love to eat. And I know that I love the feeling of making something delicious for someone and seeing how they look when they eat that. You know, when they take that first bite, then they take that second bite, and they're really like, okay, okay. It's such a great gift to be able to give to people. And I think that when we empower our youth by teaching them how to cook and bake, how to follow a recipe, how to prepare ingredients, how to go from you know the very beginning to the very end, I think that's empowering them to give gifts to people that they love. And I think that's really what cooking for other people is. I mean, sometimes it's utilitarian and sometimes we just need to eat and get the job done and we're all you know looking at different things and doing other things while we're eating but in those moments I think when you take the care to prepare something for someone that 
you think they're going to love, that you love, that's a dish that's important to you or that is a surprise or a special occasion. I think you're really empowering people to give gifts and to show love. It reminds me of my mom, you know, coming home from a long day of working one or two jobs and always making sure we had a hot meal. She did not believe in sandwiches for dinner. She did not believe in cereal, except unless she was out of town. She was a really big fan of the hot meal. And to this day, I, that has weight to me that really a hot meal means something. It means that someone cares. Hmm. Have you been able to witness those bursts of curiosity, that light in the eyes of a person who you've given a basic recipe to, and then they just expand upon it or have a, another idea? Yeah. You know, it's funny. We, we don't have a lot of opportunities for creativity at the bakery because, mm-hmm. you know, we're making orders for people and filling things that people have requested. But I love when you tell me about what they do when they go home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is because they need to improvise because either they don't have an oven or they don't have all the pans or they don't have all the tools. But I love when they tell me the, you know, the hacks that they've developed. Like, you know, I know you saw you doing that with the lemons. And so I didn't have lemons, but I got lemon juice. And then I went here and this was on sale. And I love when they tell me how they've improvised something. And then I'll say, you know, how was it? And they always say the same thing. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> How does your work make you feel? What does it mean to you? You know, I feel very grateful. You know, the world can be such a a stressful, difficult place. And we have so many things demanding our attention and our time. And work is how most of us spend most of our time. And when I think about, and I know people who have jobs that don't fulfill them, that they find unchallenging, unrewarding, even, you know, morally questionable sometimes, as difficult as this work is, and, you know, I, I work too many hours, I don't get paid very much, There's, there are all of these things that make it difficult and stressful and balancing customers' needs with the needs of the youth. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm so lucky to do this job, that this mm. is my job. I, I feel so grateful and lucky. So to the extent that I can get enough rest once in a while and, and take a few days off to regroup and say, okay, I'm ready to get back at this, uh, I, I just am very lucky. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? Balance and moderation are probably the two ways I try to keep things going because I love sweets. You know, I love, I eat everything, but I listen to my body and I know when I'm full mm-hmm. and I think that's the best thing I can do for myself. Mm-hmm. So I will eat anything, but sometimes it means just taking a bite or two bites and mm-hmm. I I'm full. And I love walking. I think that is my biggest form of exercise, relaxation, clearing my head. I'm fortunate that my boyfriend also loves to walk and be outside. So we both find that to be really um, relaxing. And I feel like you can take a really long walk and then reward yourself with something to eat that maybe you wouldn't have felt as entitled to otherwise. Mm -hmm. So I really, I I find that um, my job has me on my feet and up moving around all the time. And that is part of what has kept me, you know, healthy. Well, it sounds like you have a, a very, not sounds like you do have a very healthy and mindful way of looking at your body, uh, how you eat, when you need exercise, when you need sleep, you pay attention. Do you think that's a gift that your mom gave you? It sounds like she did. I think so, because, you know, and, and again, we never talked about food in probably any of the terms that we use now. We didn't talk about 
carbs or anything, you know, being too much or too bad. But she, you know, she loved sweets, but she also, it wasn't something that we had all the time. It was, you know, maybe once a week she would make a dessert or something like that. So it wasn't um, too much of anything. And she always, you know, she loved vegetables. And so I like vegetables and I, I find them to be a treat to eat. And I think, yeah, we, you know, food was never the enemy. We never talked about mm-hmm. diet weight or anything it was just mm-hmm. you know eat sensibly eat reasonably and you know when I got older she would have a glass of wine and I would see that and she would be so excited to have that glass of wine but it would only be one glass of wine you know and that was just the way she was is she didn't deny herself anything but she also I never saw her do anything to excess and she paid attention yes I really enjoyed our talk today thank you you taught me a lot Oh, great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your spirit. And now it's time for practical tips. Mind, body, and spirit tip. During my chat with Lisa, I was inspired by her mindful approach to eating. And it reminded me of a book I read several years ago entitled Women, Food, and God by Janine Roth. At the end of the book, Ms. Roth describes eating guidelines. Two of the guidelines include eating what your body wants and eating until you are satisfied. See if you can approach your next meal with your full attention. It's about forming a healthy relationship and approach to food. Thanks for being here. See you next time.